And that's why the discovery process is so fun for me. It's like, I'm going in truly to like understand their situation. So I'm asking a lot of questions about them. You know, if it's ever focused on you, I can tell you, you're doing it wrong. Hello, and welcome to the Syndicating Your Way to Wealth Show, the podcast that educates, inspires, and empowers you to build wealth through multifamily syndications. I'm Katie Cepeda. I am Yelfri De Leon, and today we have a very special guest on our show. Today's guest is a successful in real estate syndicator. He is one of the founders and managing partners at Givis Capital Investments, a real estate investment firm headquartered in Houston, Texas. He spent over a decade in direct sales and management before making the transition full-time to multifamily real estate. As the head of investors relations on his team, he provides investors strategic opportunities to diversify their portfolios with multifamily properties. He provides insights on the market activity, cost segregation, bonus depreciation, property performance, and manages quarterly earnings as well as annual K-1 reports. Today, he is a general partner on nine properties totaling over 1,400 units worth $162 million of asset under management. Please welcome Eric Shatterton to the show. Hello, Eric. Hey, guys. How we doing? Excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for that amazing introduction, man. That's great. <laughs> Making me blush over here. <laughs> I mean, you deserve it. You, you've done all the work. So thank you. Thank you once again for being here. Eric, so why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about your story? Um, you know, we know that prior to embarking on real estate syndication, you were in sales, uh, as I had mentioned before, and your family managed a small portfolio of single family properties. So what motivated you to transition to multifamily real estate syndications and bring your family along with you? Yeah, you know, I, I was in sales, the direct sales space for 12 years and loved it, loved the skill sets that I gained from that profession, just learned communication at a very deep level. And I feel like those skills translated over to multifamily quite well. Um, but for me, it all kind of stemmed back to my my parents. My parents, as you said, they had a small portfolio, probably 10 to 12 single family homes, but they also had two small multifamily buildings as well. And I think they're 26 and 42 units. And the, the thing that I noticed, Yelfrey, was I noticed that, you know, I saw my parents like waking up every single day, maybe six, five, six a.m. They'd go to the apartments and then they, you know, over till nine, then they'd go to their nine to fives and they'd go back to the apartments every single night till like 8 p.m. And I was just like, man, you guys are really, really working hard here. Um, like, obviously, you've seen a ton of success, but man, you're just working really hard. And I, and I just, I couldn't help but think there was a better way to do it. And that's when I found multifamily syndications uh, where we can tackle these larger properties. Uh, we'll pull together a select group of investors and we buy these bigger and better performing assets, uh, you know, that we wouldn't otherwise be able to buy just you or me alone. And the concept has opened my mind up, opened my world up. Like it's changed my life completely. I'm very grateful for this business. Absolutely. Wow. That's uh, powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, managing myself 12 properties, you said. Wow. That's that's a lot. I mean, I don't even know how they had the time to do it. <laughs> they made the time. Yeah, they made the time, but they would get phone calls in the middle of the night all the time. And I just like 
they're my parents, right? Like you always want what's best for them. They want what's best for you. And like, I just wanted to show them there's a better way to do it where they can own these properties without having to self-manage them or just be passive investors. And that's what they kind of have done is they, they're owners as LPs in our deals. So passive investors with us. And so they're not doing any of the day-to-day. They're completely passive in these opportunities. So the good thing about you and what I really like um, is that you have a strong background in sales. So it's been 12 years. You were able to translate that to multifamily and you're now the head of um, the investors relations in your team. I've seen your social media. I've seen how you've even been able to oversubscribe um, deals. And, you know, that's something that it's very inspiring inspiring yeah for sure um can you tell us a little bit about the systems and processes that you have um in place yeah absolutely and i mean i love this stuff so i could talk all day on it so if you ever just want me to stop then just say it but hopefully we'll add some good value to the listeners listening in but you have um, but yeah i mean go ahead (laughs) yeah you know we just we just closed on another 102 unit deal here in houston And, you know, sometimes you can predict it that you're going to oversubscribe and other times you can't like on this deal, it was so weird. It went in waves. And so like we were doing really good right out the gates with our capital raise and we slowed down towards the end. And then out of nowhere, a lot of those people we were interacting with during the slow period, like out of nowhere, right at the tail end of the raise, all came in, were ready to wire. And so we oversubscribed on that deal by $650,000. Wow. It's like we, I had to wire money back to investors. Like it was a first come first serve thing, but it all just happened like out of the blue, like right at crunch time. And it was like, whoa, I did not expect it to go like that. But a lot of people were just ready at the right moment. And so, you know, I think first off, it's like, we always want to approach this with, by serving the investor, right? Like what is best for them? And so I think like, if you approach it like that, then it's always going to come off genuine and authentic because those people, when it was slow for us on that raise, you know, I, if, you know, at the time when they said, Hey, like not right now or anything like that, I could have given up or I could have given up and not reached back out to them or anything like that. But instead I kept good relationship, kept trying to add value in any way I could, you know, kept in communication with them throughout the raise process. Cause that's 60 to 90 days. Right. And so I'm like keeping that relationship going and then boom, maybe timing's better in 30 days from now, which it uh, in this situation, it so happened to be that way. So, you know, I, I would say relationships always put relationships first. Um, but, you know, I, I would say a part of the reason why I've kind of built and, and trust me, like I appreciate the praise. I still feel like I'm figuring so much out and I feel like I'm learning and growing every day, which is fun for me because um, I feel like when I'm growing is when I uh, feel the most fulfilled. And so I'm always trying to put myself in situations where I can grow and, you know, challenge myself. And so anyway, the, the sales background definitely translated over just from a communication standpoint, but all of the stuff that I've implemented, that a lot of it's new. Um, like you were saying, you've gone through my social media. Like if we're talking about social media for a second, this, like, this is going to be some gold for you guys. But what I've recently been doing is. I've been running these social media campaigns and, and so I'll have these different funnels and this is something I never knew how to do. So, uh, like I don't need all the credit. Like I have teams that help me with it, but this is like the overall concept of it is like, if you've seen on my social media, you'll see that we have targeted certain types of individuals, certain types of professionals. 
And so one of them is oil and gas professionals. Another one is medical professionals. Another one is CEO and business owners. And so we're targeting these different types of people. And what we're doing is we're putting out some sort of lead magnet. And so I wrote an ebook and it was how to turn passive or how to make active income and turn it into passive income. And, you know, another one's called the white coat professional. And so it's like, this is more tailored towards the medical profession, right? And so it's basically just specific lead magnets that these people can see from social media ads or anything. Um, and then they'll download it. That gives us their con their contact information, automatically subscribes them to our investor club. But also what it does is it, put, it puts them into an, uh, an automation a sequence and drip, a drip campaign, essentially. And in this drip campaign, it's educating them more on what we do, who we are, our process. And then it takes them from this, um, this lead magnet through this funnel to a registration for a live webinar with me. And so I'm leading them down this path where they're getting more excited and more knowledgeable on what multifamily syndications are and what the return potentials are, what the tax benefits are, the power of diversification, like all of these things. And then when they get to the webinar with me now, like, for example, like, you know, we I even utilized the multifamily mindset network on one, but I reached out to one of the students in the program. Her husband is a, uh, a dentist and medical profession, right? And same thing, I had another guy that actually is one of my passive investors for the, he's an oil and gas professional. So when I go to these live live webinars, one of my investors is named Shane. And, uh, you know, I start talking about the pain points of the oil and gas industry, right? The volatility of it, uh, you know, and so, and then I take those pain points and I show them how multifamily syndications can address those or fix those. And, and then I talk about maybe a specific deal if I have one or just booking a call with me at the end, you know, after the webinar, um, so get more information on upcoming deals, anything like that. But then where I really bring it all home is when I brought in that investor of mine, my pat, one of my own passive investors to that zoom to that webinar. So now I give him the stage and he gets to talk about why he as an oil and gas professional decided to diversify into multifamily real estate. And not only just why he decided to diversify into multifamily, but why he decided to do it with my company, Gibby's Capital Investments. So now he's instantly, I, I have instant credibility with everyone that's there. And we've been having some pretty good turnouts, anywhere from 40 to 70 people on each, on each one of these webinars. And so these are new contacts, new leads. And do all of them invest? No, but that's okay. But we're not, <clears throat> obviously it would be great to have a ton of more investors, but really, the whole point of why I want to do this is I just want to add value. And I think when you go in, when you go approach those situations from a place of service, where I want to serve these people and add value and, and get them excited about something that I'm excited about, um, like that is where it feels good. You know, you get fulfillment from those kind of situations where you don't expect anything in return, right? You're just doing it to help. And then if they want to work with you or invest with you after that, awesome. Cherry on top. Awesome. Well, uh, that was a lot of great content. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, it looks like you covered on a lot of things that, uh, you know, we were going to ask you already. So, you know, it's interesting that you touched on the avatar. And, you know, I want to take a second um, there and reemphasize, uh, you know, the importance of picking an avatar 
and you know targeting those professionals because it can make it can definitely make a, a really big impact um, on your business. So you know talking about that, how how did you identify that and and uh, you know I guess you talked about the different elements um, that it entails, but you know how did you figure out like okay you know what the medical professionals or the uh, oil and gas professionals are the ones that i want to target for my business and you know because this, they are the ones that that will bring the most value you know I, i i hear different things and i'm i'm not sure if the way that we're doing it is the best way in the world uh you know there's other people that i see that have a ton of success that they have one niche and they specifically are targeting one type of individual. We're doing several different types. So I'm not sure if our way is a great way to do it or if their way is better, but it's been working for us for sure. Um, <clears throat> and really it was just more about high net worth individuals, but also people that I feel like I could understand. You know, I kind of grew up and I, I went to college for the medical profession. Like I was going to go to dental school. I took a whole, yeah, a whole pre-med. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took a whole pre-med undergrad curriculum, um, with the pre-dental emphasis, all the, you know, the business stuff I love, but then when you get into like microbiology, cell biology, organic chemistry, biochem, like those things I didn't love. <laughs> And so I realized I didn't want to be in that, uh, you know, go that route, but I understand it. And I was raised around it. I, you know, I had anesthesiologists and doctors around me my whole childhood you know, the, in my neighborhood, my neighbors, like it was really cool. So, um, I just wanted to target people. I feel like I could connect with. Great. Thank you. In terms of nurturing your relationships with them. Uh, I see that I did, um, notice that you mentioned, um, through like the drip campaign and social media, that's a way of nurturing something that we, um, have been having a little bit of difficulties is with, keeping track of all of these investors in our CRM system and we kind of feel like I don't know if we're doing it old school <laughs> if we're doing it the wrong way but in terms of like do you actually have a team that calls every investor and how do you nurture a long list of of people and keep that relationship aside from and including social media because I know that you also right. use that um, that's something that we have to take advantage of Um, technology and, and how it's easier to reach out to people. But like, can you explain a little bit more of that part of staying connected and nurturing your investors and maintaining the relationship with them and having that credibility? Yeah. And when you have them start, when you, when they start coming in more frequently, like you have to have some systems in place. And, and I think, I even feel like we're still putting together systems to be more efficient, but you know, like I have an email that I send to every new investor right when they come in that they automatically, if they join our investor club, then they automatically get put into a 12 email drip campaign and they're spaced out over time. So they're getting to know us with my eyes closed, which is good, but I still send them a personal email from my email every single time. And, you know, that's just because I, you know, it's going to be a different look. It's going to come from my personal email, not like our Gibby's capital investor relations email. And I just want to let them know, like, I'm taking the time. I see them. I acknowledge that they took the time to come join our journey. And like, I, you know, I see them and I want to make a conscious effort to reach out to them individually. So I do that on with every investor. I get an email notification when a new lead comes in. Um, and so I'll, in, in my notes tab, like sometimes I'm on the go 
you know? And so like, you have to have systems in place for me. It's not like the greatest system, but it works is like in my notes tab on my iPhone, like I have the, the email, like the, like the basic generic email. And I always throw a little personalized twist in each one, but um, so then I'll like go to my new lead comes in, I'll copy and paste the whole email and I'll tap their email from the lead and it put, and then I can paste it and then make my own, make it my own, you know, individualized to them. So that's how I do it. If I'm on the go, as far as like the other side of the investors, like if they come in through a certain campaign, then call it the oil and gas professional, right? Then when they fill out the form, the, like when they fill out this form, it, it actually puts them into, it's synced with where I keep my investors with in, which is in active campaign. Do you guys know what active campaign is? Uh, yes, but I guess for the purpose of the audience, uh, if you want to elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, yeah. So active campaign is incredible. And that's how I keep different lists. So like, you know, I have my my investor club is all housed there. So I have like my overall investor list, but active campaign is a program that syncs with my website and a lot of other things. But and I'm I probably am only using probably 10% of its capabilities. Like there is so much that active campaign can do, but mainly what I use it is just like what you mentioned is for structure organization. Um, because if an oil and gas professional lead comes in, it automatically puts them into that campaign. And so these investors are separated based on how they enter into our ecosystem, if you will. And so the medical professionals are going into their own list and it's the same thing. So we have an overall list for all of the investors that come through our program. Uh, and then we have individualized lists for how they were captured. And that helps us for tracking. You know, we want to track the metrics. We want to track what's working. We want to track where we're getting majority of our leads from. You know, maybe this month I got, you know, 25 new oil and gas professional leads, but only four medical professional. And so now I know, okay, cool. Maybe I want to put a little bit more emphasis over here, you know, or maybe this type of audience is really clicking with what I'm putting out. Um, and then I do the same thing for my properties too. We have, you know, for the properties that I have, we, I have a different list for each property and with their own passive investors. So I'll send a, our monthly report to our passive investors, but based on their list. And so I don't have to send it to them individually. I just, I make the, the investor update property update, and I send it to a specific list and it goes to all people on the list. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. And then in terms of, you know, I, I just want to follow up on a, on a question that was asked earlier uh, in terms of specific. Uh, so you're, you know, you're talking about the processes. What about uh, specific systems that you use? Is there any systems that you uh, recommend over the others? So like, for example, what type of CRM systems, um, you know, would you recommend? What type of, uh, you know, lead generators, et cetera, if you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's it's pretty much all organic on the lead stuff. But as far as like in our investor portal, I would say it's so like the two systems that we have that keep our investors is active campaign, but that's just like our investor club. But cash flow portal is where our investors go to basically like when they're gonna go invest. And I I've gone through five different investor portals. I've used Syndication Pro, I've used Appfolio, I've used Juniper Square. I've used all all of them really, and Cashflow Portal is by my by far my favorite. Um, from their customer service to their responsiveness to how much they help you to set your offering up, um, yeah, it's super cool. And anyone that like if they 
if I swear they don't give me anything for this, but if anyone wants to use them, then I get 10% for a personal referral, 10% off to them because they have given basically if they come through my network or something, then that person gets 10% off. So, That's you know, great. if someone ever wants to use a new investor portal, reach out to me and I can, you know, send you over that specific code. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. All righty. So, um, you know, in your experience, what are some common objections and concerns that investors have usually, you know, come up to you and, you know, how have you addressed them? Man, you know, everyone's a little different, you know, here's the thing it is, I can it's, attest to that. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a little different, but like that, and that's why the discovery process is so fun for me. It's like, I, I'm going in truly to like, understand their situation. So I'm asking a lot of questions about them. You know, if it's ever focused on you, I can tell you, you're doing it wrong. You know, the focus needs to be on your investors about them, their life, their business, their family, like they will be able to, you know, it's, it's that helps you to be able to guide them into the best opportunity, the more that you know them. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. It, does that kind of answer it or? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, mainly I just wanted to know a little bit more about like, you know, if, if there were specific, uh, you know, common objections that they say like, oh, you know, um, maybe they're complaining right now because, oh, you know, maybe we're heading into a recession, for example. Uh, some people may be a little bit uh, hesitant to invest because, you know, they want to save their money. Interest rates. Interest, interest rates has been rates. a big one that's mm -hmm. been like brought up recently. Um, you know, it, I think it's all perspective too. And, it, and it's all the power of your network. You know, whenever someone comes to me and is like, well, I don't know if now's the best time to invest with the, the way the interest rates have gone up. And, you know, I've been hearing a lot of bad stuff about real estate. Well, it's just like, it's all about who you're surrounding yourself with. Cause I'm hearing the complete opposite stuff. And my circle is pretty powerful. And so, you know, okay. it's all about where, where you're getting your information from. So I just try to take it from a point of like trying to educate and, you know, I'll tell people, yeah, interest rates have gone up hundred percent, but that actually helps us. So here's the thing is like, we, we recently did a, there was a study in Dallas and rents, or there was a $1,000 price gap between owning and renting. And so the, the cost of capital is just more expensive right now. So, you know, for people with interest rates, like it's actually the interest rates going up is actually priced people out of the home buying market. What that's doing is forcing people to rent, which once again, benefits us as apartment owners. And in the type of assets that we buy, those B and C value add deals, uh, you know, I, I really, I believe it's like the sweet spot right now because, you know, e even the A class, you know, those are definitely good too. There's good demand, good cash flow on those. But, you know, if a recession does come, you bring up the recession concern again. Well, you're going to see people going from maybe an A class down to a B or a B down to a C just to save some money and protect themselves. So, you know, I, th I think, you know, we're just in a great spot. I do. I love that. And I mean, just to add to that, uh, you know, yes, uh, interest rates are high. You know, maybe there's this talks about recession, even though the Fed may change the, the definition of a recession uh, on, before it gets here. Right. But, um, you know, just talking a little bit about that, uh, I feel that apartments apart like apartment renting right now is really strong. There's a strong demand for apartments. Um, and, you know, we saw it here in New York City just a few weeks ago. They uh, they released 
um, you know, some government funding for people to actually build small houses in their backyards because there is a huge um, crisis of apartments in the United States. And I also read a study that in order for us to meet that demand, um, we need to build about 4.3 million apartments by the end of 2032, which, you know, it's crazy. So, wow. yeah, all, all of that, you know, all of that, what it does is that um, apartments renting, it, the, the rents just go up higher and, you know, the, because there's a strong demand. Yeah, and, but you're right. You're hitting on the head. We're we are in the middle of an affordable housing shortage in America for sure, and it's almost our duty to bring people, you know, a nice product that they can take pride in, but that is also affordable, you know. And that's where the whole value add concept comes in. Like, there's not just fulfillment by closing deals or helping your investors make money, but there's also fulfillment in the communities that you're changing, right? You go in from day one, you acquire it, and you go you know, beautify the exteriors, you get maybe, you know, a new grill area, throw some turf in, make a dog park, you know, upgrade the pool amenities, um, you know, you really give and then upgrade the units too. give these somewhere, these, these people that live in your communities, like actual pride, and where they call home. That feels good. 100%. To shift gears, can you tell us about a challenge? Um, that you've gone through in your journey? It could be any challenge in your real estate journey that you've gone through and how were you able to overcome it? Oh, man. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, like I so feel like challenges. I, I don't even know I feel which like there's challenges every day. Yeah, oh, man. there's challenges every day. Um, I actually like the challenges. I think they make me better. I think they keep me on my toes. Uh, I think they help prevent people from getting complacent. Um, so I, I'm grateful for the challenges that I've faced. As far as a specific one, oh man, um, you know, oh yeah, sure. Let, let me bring up the Royal Wayside deal. So, um, you know, I, let's see, is it Royal? Yeah, we'll use Royal. So call it Royal Wayside, the one we just closed. Um, you know, we had just closed on three other deals, like back to back to back. Uh, and so our investor capital was actually a little bit lower, you know, we're tapped for the most part, but you know, it's all about once, once again, it's like, it's a challenge, but what's the solution. It, it never means like, I can't do the deal. Like no matter what your goals stay the same, right? Like the goal is we have to close this deal. There's no question about it. The, the goal doesn't change. Sometimes your path does. It's never just a perfectly straight line, right? From here to there to, it's never just an easy deal. There's always challenges, right? Sometimes you go forwards and then sideways then backwards, then sideways, then backwards again, then forwards, then sideways, then backwards, then you maybe you finally close it. But it doesn't matter because the end result needs to be the same. We have to close the deal. So on Royal Wayside, for example, to answer your question, I I was a little bit tapped. I think I, I was close to, it was a $5.8 million raise, uh, almost a $6 million raise. Uh, and I got to two and a half, three million. And I was, I was tapped. I was like, oh no. This is not good, right? And, but it's like you have to take out that that stress, or you know, and it's when you're working against a clock too, it it can add some anxiety, right? But you have to get used to that feeling. It happens on every deal. Uh, it gets a little bit easier to deal with on each one. But instead of me shutting down and and saying, "Hey, 
I'm not sure we can finish this deal or I can't do this. It's not, I can't, it's how can I, right? Shout out to Tyler Devereaux. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's how can I, so instead of, you know, saying I can't close this deal, the, how can I, you know, it activates a different part of your brain, the problem solving part of your brain. And so the, how can I came out and it's like, okay, if I can't bring this in the rest of this capital, then I need the capital to come in from somewhere. So the easy answer was surround, you know, I have access to a massive network. We've got over 3000 people in our network. And so instead of feeling like I need to bear this weight on my own, like why not turn it into a positive and provide an opportunity to someone else? So now we're bringing in an opportunity to someone. So what was, what was once my problem is now someone else's opportunity, which also feels good, right? And so we were, were the lead sponsors on that deal, but we were able to bring in four different groups from our network into that deal with us for helping with a variety of things, raising the capital, investor relations, monthly reporting, um, help with the K-1s, things like that. And then also one of them for asset management help too. And so it just felt good. Like in, I could have easily curled up in a ball and said, shoot, I couldn't get this done. I quit. Or instead, just you know, overcome that challenge by tapping into what's right in front of my face, a massive network of everybody else trying to get into deals and that are, is fighting for the same thing, which is yeah. cool. That's great. Thank you, Eric. And, you know, I, I do want to emphasize on that point that you just made, uh, because a lot of people oftentimes they ask like, oh, man, but how can I get into my first deal? You know, um, and, you know, exactly just the way you just mentioned, uh, by bringing value to other experienced operators like yourself um, and, you know, by either raising capital, uh, underwriting, asset management and, you know, taking on one of those uh, many roles uh, within a syndicated deal. So that's mm -hmm. great. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Wonderful. It's all about value. You're hitting it on the head. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, staying on that same topic, I guess, uh, or, or around that topic, um, you know, is there any advice that you would give to aspiring investors, aspiring real estate syndicators about, you know, how to start uh, their journey, how to, um, you know, focus on one specific area of the business? Um, and, you know, just in general, how I, I know that you uh, do a lot of those workshops with Tyler uh, on the multifamily mindset. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that? And, um, you know, how can others join uh, a syndication uh, journey like this one? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think if you focus on what your strengths are and delegate your weaknesses and create a team. You know, there, I, I, there's so much power in people. Like people are so talented and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go like, am I good at underwriting? Yes. Do I love it? No. Like, I don't love doing that all day. What I crave social interaction. I need to be around people. And so like in my business, for example, I have two partners. One of them is Brett Davenport. He, he comes from a finance background and he was an executive at a big company. Uh, and so he, loves the underwriting side. He loves looking at a spreadsheet and being able to put together a story, right? And like understand the property based off of the financials and all that stuff. He that's how his brain works. My my other partner Megan Davenport, also my in-laws, uh by the way, but Megan, she comes from a construction background. So, 
you know, she can very easily say, Hey, that's wood rot or that's mold or that's water damage. And then know how much it costs to fix it and how quick she can do it. So she fits perfectly into our asset management position. And then the rest is what I do, which is, but I think the reason I'm bringing this up is to focus on what you enjoy doing. Um, so like there's, I'll just tell you this, there was too many years in a row where I was waking up like dreading work, you know? Yeah, I told you I come from a sales background. Like the the final three years I was doing that, um, it just production was slowly going down. Like I lost passion for it. I was waking up, not excited about my days, you know, and I, that went on for about three years. And that's a red flag, right? Like that is a clear sign. You need to change what you're doing. And so for me, I jumped into multifamily and I started feeling myself like drifting over to multifamily over my solar business that I was in. And I was like, man, this is this is a sign that I need to be putting more energy and effort over here. This is fulfilling me more. Um, and so I bring that up because if you're jumping into this as a new potential, you know, multifamily investor, then focus on what you enjoy doing. Like, make this business fun. You know, you're doing this to make some sort of change in your life, not to like go back down the same or you know same path you've been on, or you know, force yourself to do stuff you don't enjoy. Um, I just. I just deal with people all day and I love people. So it works out, you know? And so that's one. And number two, you need, you need a network. You need people. You know, I just kind of touched on it, but like that deal, I'm not sure we even would have closed it if I didn't have a network surrounding me, you know, people that wanted to do deals with me, people that wanted to help and add value. And in return, I can add value back. I can give them ownership in these large properties, you know, and then I can also show them how a team like Gibby's, like how we operate and how we execute a business plan, how our communication is with investors, things like that. And so definitely focus, like, like I said, focus on your strengths, delegate your weaknesses, and then build a network. And if you don't have one, there are tons of places to go start building your network. You know, I'm a part of probably 40 different Facebook groups, all related to real estate and multifamily um, and then also, you know, we, I joined a coaching program with multifamily mindset, Tyler Devereaux, Ryan Woolley, Todd Miller, those guys like provided a massive network right there, you know, instantly had access to over 3000 people all with goals that aligned, you know, and that's powerful. Right. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, I mean, just like us, we also started through the multifamily mindset group and, you know, mm -hmm. that's where we met Eric Chatterdon and now, yeah. you know, he's become part of our network and a great friend. So thank you, Eric, for being here and sharing all of those uh, amazing tips with us. Um, yeah. Anything yeah, so else you want to add, Katie? In anything in life, if your mindset is not strong, if you believe you cannot do something, then you won't. Um, and I would like to for you to share a little bit about any of your routines or anything that you practice daily to have that strong mindset because we know that there's good moments and there's also challenges and it's easy to be on a good note when everything's going well but when things are going bad like what's something that helps you stay grounded and stay focused um and stay true to your goals yeah you know i, I think it all comes down to choice you know we have the power to choose we're human beings. It's great. You know, like a dog can only go be a dog. A cat can only go be a cat, but a human being and a human being has the power to choose, you know, we can choose. And so it, sometimes it might be the harder choice to go, you know, 
have that positive mindset or maybe you had a couple bad things happen to you in the day, but you have to have like your own routines. You have to have your own systems in place to like snap you back. You have to like, and like everybody gets in a funk here and there. It happens to the best of us. Happens to me all the time. I've just learned exactly what I need to get out of it. And I bounce back very quick. And so like, for me, it's all about productivity. Like if I'm being productive and making progress, then I get out of whatever funk I'm in almost immediately. And so like, if I'm out of it a little bit, then next thing you know, like I'll start doing small little things to make me feel like I win, you know, and little things like even discipline stuff, like taking the stairs instead of an elevator, like something little that like shows me like I'm in control, like I have the power and that boosts my spirits, keeps me more positive. But as far as my routine, I'm not sure if you really want to know, but my routine has gotten a little bit crazy as of late. And it's just because, you know, when you are very clear with what your focus is and you're driven and you have big goals, it makes it easy to you know, follow a routine, like what I'll tell you, but lately uh, it's unintentional, but every day my alarm set for 4am, but I beat it every single day by like 30 minutes. So I'm waking up like three 30 to three 45 every morning. Wow. Um, I, I know <laughs> I, I, there's just always more to do. I enjoy it. And, and honestly, for me, it's very, it's like my me time, my fit. So I'll go to the gym, I'll work out. I need some sort of physical activity, you know, that helps me stay mentally clear for sure. And it also gets the juices flowing, right? And and I feel very awake when I work out early. But then like the key for me is being done, showered and ready for my day by five. Because five o'clock to eight o'clock is my favorite time of the day. My favorite. And it's because it is uninterrupted, focused work. I get more done in that three hours than I probably do the rest of the day. I mean, it makes and, sense. Most of the world is, is asleep still. <laughs> Yeah. And so my emails start getting flooded around eight, which is exactly when it happens. But five to eight, the world's not with you. And so I love those hours. I get so much done. And so like right off the bat, by eight o'clock, I already have had such a productive day, which affects my mood for the better. But also it allows me to like have something to look forward to, right? Like I like working early so I can also stop early and spend time with my wife. And you know, she'll sleep in until like maybe nine, maybe nine 30. And so like, but because I've gotten so much done by the time she's gotten up, usually I can, you know, take an hour, take two hours off and have breakfast with her, talk about her day. Um, you know, things like that, which is important to me, which also helps me to keep my balance. And then usually, uh, you know, unless I'm in the middle of a deal where we're raising capital and trying to, you know, close out a deal, usually I'll, I'll try to shut off by, you know, three or 4 PM and have the rest of the evening with her and, or just to make sure that I'm like very present with her in the evenings, you know, but I, I'm able to do that because I'm putting so much effort in early. And so, yeah, that's like my routine. I know it's crazy, but like, but there's, a, but there's also been times where I'll go and I'll start at three 30 and I'll finish at 11 PM. Um, and so like those days really take it out of you for sure. And so, that's not happening all the time, but you know, when things need to get done, you go tell you, you get it done. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. <laughs> that really is. But also that time in the morning, like that's the only time, the only uninterrupted time, because after that, it's like, everything is more like reactive of, of like, okay, like what you said about emails or maybe you get phone calls and you know, things of that nature. But when you're 
up at three o'clock in the morning, you know, no one's going to bother you at that time. hundred <laughs> percent. I agree with it big time. Cause like what happens is you might have your 10 things to do for the day, right? But come eight o'clock through the rest of the day, those 10 things because of a phone call or an email you got that 10 could go to 17. Now you have 17 things to do, but if you didn't knock out anything before eight, then now you have all 17. But if you could go knock out, say nine of the 10 initially by eight, well, now you're just doing things as they come up all day and you could get through your whole list potentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Great advice. So thank you. So it takes some getting used to though. I know. Um, but it's, it's worth it. I feel like, you know, yeah. tomorrow yeah. I'm gonna wake up 20 minutes earlier. <laughs> there you go. Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. Baby step. One step at a time. All righty. So, um, I mean, we're coming to an end here. So, uh, you know, before we wrap up, Eric, um, you know, is are, is there anything uh, exciting that you and your team are working on at the moment uh, that you want to share with us and, and our audience? What's next um, Yeah, you? sure. Yeah, sure. A couple of things. Like we we actually just had a um, I was a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author for my book All In. Wow. Uh, Congratulations, wow. Eric. Congrats. Yeah. And, and I can't take all the credit. I was just a co-author in the book uh, nice. with 12 other incredible people, very successful people. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's called All In. Um, and it's it's just good. It's powerful. If you guys are looking for, you know, a mindset shift or like what other high highly successful entrepreneurs did when they first started their businesses. It's about the whole concept of going all in with things and what it can do for your life. So um, yeah, great book there. Check that out. Just let me know your feedback on it. Love to just hear what people th think about the, the book and see if there was some value added to them there. Um, and then as far as my investment business goes, we're, we've got two deals that we're working on that are in our pipeline. And um, so if, you know, if there's any passive investors listening, then feel free to reach out. We're going to have some availability op uh, availability open up here soon uh, for two more multifamily offerings, both in Texas. So feel free to reach out. Happy to, you know, explain the deals and and how they look and what the returns look like. But there's some great opportunities for some year end tax benefits. Awesome, awesome, and a lot of great things coming up uh, your way. That's that's amazing. Thank you, Eric. And uh, yeah, uh, you know, why don't you tell us how can our listeners uh, get in touch with you if, you know, if they have any questions about capital raising, about deals, about, you know, tax saving strategies? Um, yeah. 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 hundred percent. I, I would say the two best ways are either one on social media. I'm on all the platforms. You know, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the above. Um but also, too, you can just go to our website, www.gibbyscapital.com, and that's G-I-B-B-Y-S capital.com. Um, go check us out. Go just, you know, learn more about who we are, our business model, what our team is like, um, you know, and then you can register for our investor club from there or get any of our contact information from the website as well. Great. Thank you, Eric. Uh, you know, when I grow up, I want to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> It goes the same. It goes the same way back to you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you again for being here with us. 